Hello, I'm E. And I'm M. And welcome to Blood and Turf, a podcast about transphobic ideologies such as trans exclusionary radical feminism and its intersections with fascism, cults, pseudoscience, and other reactionary political phenomena. This is a short episode, which we've recorded as a commentary to an article released in The Guardian by Judith Butler. While the article is well worth reading, not least because there's some really good bits of analysis of the uh, anti-trans movement as part of an explicitly fascist movement, we do think it falls short, particularly in its concluding remarks, and exposes a weakness in the mainstream kind of radical seeming LGBT thinking on the subject of transphobia. Our report on the LGB Alliance Conference is in production, but when we read the Butler article today, we thought it was really worth commenting on in a short episode in of itself, um, because we think it's really timely uh, at this crossroad for the sort of radical seeming pro-trans movement. This episode has no major content warnings. Okay, so my feelings on the Butler article are that essentially it starts off kind of kind of in kind of like this basic ABC pattern, just kind of like explaining various different recent recent political events and so on and so forth, and just laying out the the groundwork for for the position that transphobia is interlinked in in a, in a, in a wider reactionary movement and all this stuff. And like the first the first couple of paragraphs of it are like perfectly fine prose writing, but it only it really gets interesting like towards the middle. Um, so it, it seems to me to be a sort of like, it, it, it's like kind of a little microscopic intellectual campaign in order to advance this particular position. Yeah, which makes sense considering that, that Butler, despite being kind of of, you would think the demographic who would lap up this stuff, isn't and falls afoul of like petty reactionary gender people all of the time and thus like has the authority to kind of write this in the guardian in this format and get away with it you'd hope yeah and also she's she, like butler like they're, they're the kind of person who's who's really ideal for the guardian in a lot of ways like they're a highly respected transatlantic ac- academic who is just like in and out of the proper ivory tower intellectual commentary in, in, but, but you know, also is associated with you know uh left identified radical identified institutions like verso where their new book is out yeah, this is this is kind of like the the most left wing kind of person that the Guardian would normally publish. Yeah, very, is, is someone like Butler very much straddling the worlds between like uh, Marxist academics and um, the hogs that listen to this thing. Yes, and to 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 Butler's credit, like I think that is like an advantageous position from which to from which to make this kind of intervention hence hence her hence her article like a couple of months ago which kind of went viral because the guardian editorial team sort of bowdlerized it uh, but this yeah, Butler this got rat fucked and has come back for more yeah and it's it's interesting because like we're going to get into this later but like first of all why has why has butler come back for more and second of all why has the grown bothered to be okay bothered to say like okay you can come back for more and these are two things we thought we would like dig into because the contents of the article it, it, it explains like the matter from from butler's position in that like that explains why she came back to the came back to the grown to to write this piece and then like the timing and the context in which it occurred i think kind of points towards the some of the the, the slightly more mercenary aspects of the guardian's commercial media strategy but anyway, let's get into let's get into this this, this article properly. Uh, as I said, like the first three or four paragraphs are just kind of like going through the motions. If you're already familiar with these arguments, but then it starts to get a bit more, a bit more 
um, kind of analytical. Um, essentially, the thrust of the article is is about the like the reactionary movement picking up on gender studies in as as being a bogeyman in the same way in which like particularly the American reactionary movement is going hog wild over critical race theory. And it, to that extent, it's, it, this is just great material for a, a liberal written piece about censorship and you know the overton window and freedom of speech and general civil liberty stuff it's 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 a great it's a great thing to write about if you're going to be writing about those things um but it's it, some aspects of how she's approached this are interesting to me uh and it it starts off with these kinds of like statements where uh, like like there's a bit where she's talking about uh the the whole position where it's like Oh, these people are trying to erase sex as this common, as this common like gender critical slash transphobic talking point. In that, they're in the, notionally, our side of the movement is trying to re replace the concept of sex with gender in order to erase lesbians or whatever, uh, which is the standard kind of like LGB alliance line. And Butler, you know, goes goes through this motion where the, the bit says uh, to argue this way is not take a position against science but only to ask how science and law enter into the social regulation of identity but there are two sexes bits and quotes generally yes but even the ideals of dimorphism that govern our everyday conceptions of sex are in many ways disputed by science as well as the intersex movement which has shown how like, everyone knows sex is fake come on yeah exactly like this is this is this, this is the level it's at at the beginning basically yeah and it's like this is this is kind of like doing the baby step stuff to 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 give people intellectual ammo to fight over to fight with over the Christmas dinner table, um, and then and then it kind of like explains why that's slightly more politically relevant. So it's like you know to ask questions about gender, that is how societies organise according to gender and with what consequences of understanding bodies, lived experience, intimate association, and pleasure is to engage in a form of open inquiry and investigation opposing the, the dogmatic social positions that seek to stop and reverse emancipatory change. Yet gender studies is opposed as dogma by those who understand themselves as who understand themselves on the side of critique. Right, so this is where the main problem I have with this article comes in, because we'll get to this again near the end, but Butler still sees this as being an intellectual problem. Yeah, the, 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 what's interesting is so Em and I both copied the text of the article and went through adding our own notes, uh, and I didn't have time to look at all of Em's notes, we just separately highlighted a document. And this bit, I did not even, I, I was like, we should cut that out. Like, I was like, this is so irrelevant. <laughs> but but Emma's right in that it is worth talking about in terms of it being really um, uh, a good look into why Butler has written this. Right. So as, as we've just kind of like gone over ad nauseum thus far in the piece, most of the articles have been quite basic. And, you know, it, it is the kind of thing that I would like recommend to a fellow anti-fascist. It's a good piece of, of writing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But when you get more familiar with this stuff, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a bit boring up till now. But this this is where it becomes interesting, because here is where the flaw comes in, because um, it's here where one of the recurring themes of the article comes in. And that's that is Butler's reliance on it's like, Butler's advertising gender studies. It's just Butler advertising the validity of their field. Yes, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah, it, 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 well, I don't think that's, that is all that it is. I don't think it's just, it's just like pure uh, reflexive um, academicizing. I think this is, this is actually now like part of Butler's like political mentality 
Yeah, whereby, absolutely. Like, it's quite blatant. Whereby, like, they they think that this is like a fundamentally intellectual issue in terms of having this internal battle within the LGBT movement with people like the LGB Alliance. It's whereby, extremely whereby, like, paternal, <laughs> paternalizing. Yeah, it's kind of like it's it's kind of like they think that like they think that the LGB Alliance are merely wrong. And that's and that's why I have this problem with this. Well, I don't know if Butler thinks this about specifically about the LGB alliance. Maybe maybe they have like more hostile views towards them. I think regardless of whether they are centering their personal views on the LGB alliance for the Gruen article and what their private views are, I think it's 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 incredible because it betrays a mindset that you know gender theory academics should be the people leading the conversation on this. Yeah, I mean, I guess the reason why I made that little comment about like maybe it's not just the LGBT alliance is because like I think Butler is thinking more generally about gender critical politics, yeah, rather, rather than that specific organization, which I think if anybody who has any sense basically sees as being a bit UKIPish. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't. No, I mean more generally. So yeah, perhaps I'll say that like Butler, Butler seems to view the gender critical movement is simply being wrong. And this is the problem that me and E have with this, with this general take. So this is the first area in which it crops up where, where Butler is basically complaining like, oh, well, if you, if you want to have a conversation, why are you shutting down the conversation? It's like, well, Judith, why I mean, do you think? This has form because if I remember correctly, um, some protesters have spoken about Butler as an academic in an academic setting, kind of like, dragnetting political uh, actions around universities. What do you say dragnetting? What exactly do you mean? Um, I can't remember exactly, and I would never want to, you know, accuse someone of uh, something quite serious, but um, I think being, you know, asked, uh, in, in some way, the protesters felt that, that Judith did not show it, like the solidarity they would have expected. Yes, I, I I have to say, you know, I would not normally expect any serious solidarity from professional academics, but that might just be me being um, a horrible anti-intellectualist street. No, I no, I think you're right. <laughs> I know that you think I'm right. <laughs> this is what happens when you make two people who you know did not get even an undergrad degree make it uh, make us read an academic essay. Well, it's not too academic. It is in the Guardian. Oh, no, it's very, very readable. I just mean the form. Anyway, back to it, back to it. Uh, so late, later on um, in, in, the, in this, uh, in various different bits, and Butler talks about things like uh, you know, the, the opposition between um, kind of organised political Christianity and, and, and you know, the, the gender studies and that kind of stuff. And that there's also this, this bit where, like, Butler begins to get, like, good at it, essentially, uh, she begins to introduce stuff about like um, you know there's a section where where the article says for this reactionary movement the term gender attracts condenses and electrifies a diverse set of social and economic anxieties produced by increasing economic precarity under neoliberal regimes intensifying social inequality and pandemic shutdown stoked by fears of infrastructural collapse anti-migrant anger and in europe the fear of losing the sanctity of the heteronormative family national identity and white supremacy Many insist that the destructive forces of gender, post-colonial studies, and critical race theory are to blame. When gender is thus figured as a foreign invasion, these groups clearly reveal that they are, on, they are in the business of nation building. 
The nation for which they are fighting is built upon white supremacy, the heteronormative family, and a resistance to all critical questioning of the norms that have, that have clearly restricted the freedoms and imperiled the lives of so many people. That's really good writing. It's really good explanation of what's happening, in, particularly in like the European political sphere, with like people like Orban or the Polish governments, um, even even like the smaller groups, like you know, like uh, the the identitarian movements. Uh, like trad wife, red pill shit, all of that kind of thing. It does explain how these, it's a brilliant way of like concisely, although rather wordily explaining the manner in which these things converge. And convergence is a thing that a lot of anti-fascist uh, like scholars have been talking about over the last couple of years. Like, like what's his name? Is it Renton? I think Mark Renton talks about convergence a lot. This, yeah. is, a great, this is a great description of that dynamic. I, I Here's think where I, it starts to get good, essentially. I, I think what's also notable is it has another notable like we pointed out in the earlier paragraph like blind spot or weird kind of insertion uh which very specifically even though class is mentioned immediately afterwards ignores the sort of like girl boss as we've said or almost you know some people might say like petty bouge kind of character specifically of gender reactionaryism like that is missing in this whole analysis which makes sense because you know that's the demographic who are most likely to um, read this article. Uh, I mean, arguably, in terms of in terms of class position, it is also Butler's demographic. Well, e exactly. Um, it's it's a, that's why I say like myopia, I guess. Like, I'm, not, I'm trying not to be like too mean to Butler because like I don't think Butler is like doing is doing like you know movement treachery. I think that they're just fucking up a bit. Yeah, no, I'm not saying this in a mean way. I think it's really. Um, useful in terms of like triangulating the context i guess yeah yeah sorry i was trying to explain that more to the listener than to you oh sorry <laughs> yeah i don't we neither of us are trying to be mean to butler any criticisms we have are like you know like nerd criticisms like oh you could have done it that way uh, rather than salt the earth we're not doing cancel culture we're just horrid mm. although Spoiler for the LGB Alliance uh, episode, there is an entire section of their conference dedicated to cancel culture. Oh boy, won't we have fun with that bit. Anyway, um, you actually highlighted something in the next paragraph up, which I, I also noticed but didn't get around to highlighting. And that's that all of this stuff about like uh, infiltrating the national body is, is Thavolite zone. Yes, exactly. Uh, I think I... I... I, I linked that but forgot Thevelvite's name, so I said something stupid and said. You want me to read um, out the paragraph? Uh, I, 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 I can do it. Um, uh, so the bits that I think are super important in the, the, the next... Do, are you talking about the social services or the gender comes to stand for? Gender comes to stand for. Yeah. Um, so the specific bits in the uh, section, a few paragraphs down from the one we just read. Um, <clears throat> indeed, gender comes to stand for or is linked with all kinds of imagined infiltrations of the national body, migrants, imports, the disruption of local economics through the effects of globalization. Such a phantasm of destructive power can only be subdued through desperate appeals to nationalism, anti-intellectualism, censorship, expulsion, and more strongly fortified borders. Both of these link directly to um, our episodes on fascism and masculinity, the Fat Queer Dicks eps, as M mentioned, uh, Thevelvite. Um, again, we've got another one of those weird little kind of butlerisms, uh, which are the bits I specifically um, uh, did. 
didn't read out, which is literally in the middle of this, um, they say, one reason then we need gender studies more than ever is to make sense of this reactionary movement. And it's like, no, 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 no. Um, the other bit that is also good is um, uh, below again. The opposition to gender is voiced by governments as diverse as Macron's France and Duda's Oh, I did not pronounce that right. Poland, circulating in right-wing parties in Italy, showing up on major electoral platforms in Costa Rica and Colombia, boisterously proclaimed by Bolsonaro in Brazil, and responsible for closing gender studies, there it is again, in several locations, most infamously at the European University in Budapest in 2017 before it relocated to Vienna. Um, also suspiciously absent is any US or UK analysis, of course, but these are all really good meaty bits and I think benefit from an academic writing about them in this in this bit you know like I I personally would never be able to come up with those points in such a concise way I imagine um and I think uh specifically talking about uh borders I mean loads of trans theorists have written about this stuff but of course they're never going to get platformed in the guardian um and like this really shores up a lot of stuff that is like, you know, in very good in my opinion. But what's notable is every time Butler does something like really good bit of analysis, there is very, you can see very specific things that have been added in or left out, like stuff that's been tacked on or, or chopped off. Mm. The thing I did like about this um, is that, is this stuff about the infiltration of the national body. I think that this aspect, yeah. like this aspect of the psychological analysis of fascism is really, really key to understanding where yeah, transphobia- like the plague app that we did. Yeah, um, it's really key to understanding where transphobia blends into like greater fascism. It's where, it's where that island exists in the archipelago. You need to read the vibes, basically. You need to understand the vibes to understand where the convergences happen. One other thing that I, I think is quite quite like amusing about this paragraph is that um, Butler uses the phrase, uh, such a phantasm of destructive power can only be subdued through desperate appeals to nationalism, blah, 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 blah. blah. Um, the phrase appeal to nationalism may be familiar to longtime listeners of the podcast, because if I remember correctly, the text by uh, anarchist theorists or like generalized kind of like radical anarchist anti-state anti-civilization theorist Freddie Perlman the continuing appeal of nationalism i think was referenced in one of our big theory dump episodes yes which is also the theory dump episode where we go through umberto echo who butler quotes in a with a fine-toothed comb yeah which does like lead legit one, like <laughs> does lead one to suspect that judith listens to the podcast like we're not 100 percent claiming that they do but it's kind of getting weird at this point hmm and makes you think we're not that many degrees of separation away i don't think so well i mean there's only about seven people in the left-wing trans movement so yeah exactly <laughs> moving Sorry. on from that interesting detour to a previous episode um there's then this later bit which is which i think you've you've already mentioned Dee, about uh this this kind of like commentary on on international affairs and like the internationalization of the of the gender of like the the, the gender critical slash anti transphobe so, so slash transphobic reactionary movement. This kind of reminds me of like the like the 2016, 2017 lib like liberal uh, cultural panic over the rise of Trumpism happening at the same time as like people like Orban getting into government and and like Bolsonaro and Brexit happening and the fact that all these like horrendous organizations were just like going to each other's conferences and whatsapping each, each other and like having these like explosive growths on on social media like there is it's good that it's good that she's mentioned that this, this happens i think 
like but one thing i have noticed is that it's it's in a much less kind of like frenetic and and panicked voice mm. than the way that the like the general liberal commentariat noticed the internationalization of, of fascism with like total like panicked idiot brain horror back in 2016 because back then like they just didn't know what to do this to butler's credit seems like a bit more calm and matter of fact um which is i think a bit of a problem in the trans yes. movement generally at the minute because there's Absolutely. there's not enough kind of you know commander spock vulcan detachment when it comes to analyzing the general strategic position well, is- one thing one thing you can say about the trans movement is it's mostly made up of trans people because cis people don't give a shit and you're all lazy and um one thing you say about trans people as a community a lot of us are like uh have like minority stress or like mental illness or like trauma whatever we so this stuff like gets to like the depths of our brain very quickly yeah, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to offer a moral criticism of the movement. I'm saying that this is a structural weakness within. No, it. no, 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 no. I, I know you're not. And I completely agree with you because it's completely understandable. But at the same time, it's structurally unhelpful. Like, and that's not a criticism morally at all. It's just a structural one. And I think you're right. right. Because because essentially what happens is you get the it reminds me of this thing that happened that also happened with the election of George Bush, which was like people just started making jokes about moving to Canada. This joke then, you know, reappeared with with Trump's election, and there's a slightly less privileged version of it that occurs within within like online transgender left wing political circles, where it's it's like connected to the turf island meme, where people will make lots of relevant like lots of references to the notion of claiming asylum from usually the UK and occasionally the US on 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 you know grounds that that as a trans person they're completely fucked is not untrue um but the thing is is that it's an unactionable policy like it's not actually doable and it seems to me to exist as a sort of psychological crutch and a form of escapism yes and also it does actually become you know hashtag problematic um when kind of class and race elements kind of shape those jokes as well which is something that we won't be discussing in depth here, but like, I think Jules Gill Peterson recently wrote an extremely good essay on this. And so like, I really think that's worth reading and reflecting on as a little aside. My objection to it is that there is, there's a tendency to kind of like view the scope of things as being a personal impending doom. Yes, exactly. Whereas it's, whereas what it actually is, is, is a structurally impending crisis, doom being different to crisis. And then it being it being personalized within one's like own kind of like complex of personal problems, that then means that you get these kind of like thought stopping, um, like bursts of rationalization that get expressed as. It, well, oh, it's okay. co- it's cognitive oh, dissonance. To, yeah, well, it's not just cognitive dissonance. I think it is like it's 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 kind of similar to thought terminating cliches. Yeah, which are a thing that are used to not shatter cognitive dissonance. Okay. Yeah, I see what your you, what your point is. I guess I guess like this is getting getting away from the direct relevancy of the essay. It's just I quite like the notion of being matter of fact, and I thought that it was it was decent. But that, that I actually was kind of sticking on topic. I, I actually think it is relevant because arguably some of the flaws in this argument are a result of perhaps um, similar kind of defense mechanisms of of Butler's context. So like I think it's worth all of us thinking about because I think. You know we're all vulnerable to this stuff right because 
Butler, as, as she's mentioned earlier in the essay, or perhaps later on in it, um, has you know been on the receiving end of fairly serious threats of collective violence. Yeah, a paragraph later. So according to Agnieszka Graf, co-author with Elzebeta, uh, I cannot pronounce. According to Agnieszka Graf, co-author with Elzebeta Krolschuk. Thank you. Of anti-gender politics and the populist movement. The networks amplifying and circulating the anti-gender viewpoint include the international... So she off a bunch of orgs, including an online platform founded in Spain, which mobilizes people against lectures, exhibitions, and political candidates who defend uh, LGBTQI rights. So it's the kind of like turf wine bombing that they do in the UK, which they are specifically not mentioning. But this is relevant to Judith Butler personally, because they claim to have more than 9 million followers ready to mobilize at an instant. They mobilized against me in Brazil in 2018, when a furious crowd burned an effigy of my likeness outside the venue where I was to speak. So Butler has yeah. personal skin in the game with academic stuff specifically. Right. And to that, this is what's to caused extent, them problems. I think I think it is to Butler's credit as like a political analyst that like yeah. they're, they're thinking about this like quite calmly and like for a decent period of time and just like well, they're a good mention, they're a mention, good mention, academic. Yeah. It, it's not I don't think it's just about like Butler being an academic like that like she's not totally uh, two dimensional. I think this is also Butler, like Butler as as a person existing within a political reality. Yeah, um, but I mean, when you're an academic and it's like becomes your life, which it usually does, I feel like as successful as Butler, you also think in a different way, I, I guess. Um, that's not like a criticism. It's like, it's a good, it's, it's you're learning, you learn lo logic in some forms and it, and it helps you think about stuff like this. Uh, the other element of this I thought was um, important to note is, is the, the thing that she highlights in and of itself, this, this element of mobilization. So this is another area in which uh, like Butler is harkening back to like classic analyses of fascism, which is like the, the mobilization and like the, 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 the catalyzation of political forces and political energy is like uh, one of the classic hallmarks of, of fascism if it's done he, in a particular way. It's leftists like the, 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 who were involved in Occupy still write in this way and still analyze in this way. Yeah, this is very this is very much like uh, movement of the squares type stuff in that like we're going to use digital technology to mobilize the masses we're going to do tally or square stuff except it's it's being done in this in this more like directed um center network to outer network organizing model where where like you know essentially this kind of stuff is effectively like uh, having like big facebook pages or big telegram groups like the white rose except slightly more advanced like citizen go is not as is not as crude as the white rose but it's functionally not wildly dissimilar either but what they're what they're doing, and it's good that, that Butler has like highlighted this and has and has linked it to the general trend, is they're creating, is they're creating like through through the means of like stochastic and distributed organizing, they are creating like the new phalanxes. And, yeah, and, and, and those phalanxes are like explicitly like psychologically reactionary. And there's this that you know, there is this this mob anger, which which liberals love to complain about the online mob. And it's you know, sometimes it is real. It's just usually they are crying wolf because someone said that their tweet was stupid yeah like on the one hand um uh the focus on the online liberal stuff is you could dismiss it on the other hand and and arguably like butler doesn't actually explain the like the difference between as m said someone being mean about your tweet and uh, physical violence, for example, the We Spa mobilization looked like any other kind of damp squib uh, American turf organization until it wasn't. Uh, and Butler is giving an example of 
until it wasn't, which is a, about them personally, which I think makes this paragraph really good at tying this stuff together. Mm. And coincidentally, that's where we start using the F word. Mm. Right. Anti-gender movements are not just reactionary, but fascist trends. <laughs> they yeah. kind of support increasingly authoritarian governments. The inconsistency of their arguments and their equal opportunity at approach to rhetorical strategies of the left and right produce a confusing discourse for some, a compelling one for others, but they are typical of fascist movements that twist rationality to suit hyper-nationalist aims. They insist that gender is an imperialist construct, that it is an ideology now being imposed on local cultures of the global south, spuriously drawing on the language of liberation theology and decolonial rhetoric. Um, Butler then goes on to give more examples. Right. Finally, we're fucking getting to it. And somebody in The Guardian is willing to say, like, you know, gender critical politics is an explicit, is an explicitly fascist movement. Yeah. People have written stuff that in, in mainstream newspapers that has linked like TERFs and GC stuff to fascism and to hard right conservatism before, but not in this kind of like actually explained intellectual way. It's more than just like, oh, here's my column. Yeah, the difference is, is that I can see an essay written being written like this exactly in terms of its form and the examples it uses, but not on The Guardian, on like Medium or Substack. Probably someone with a big following, but like not The Guardian, basically. And I think part of the reason that Butler's been able to do this is their intellectual weight and also the fact that they have been persecuted for being a feminist academic. I suspect that The Guardian editors also might have felt that they owed her a bit. Well, exactly is what I mean. We'll get onto a more cynical interpretation of that later, I guess. <laughs> to, be fair, <laughs> to be fair, also, uh, between the bit I just read and the next bit, there is, again, a fair bit of kind of um, waffle, but that's understandable because Butler's trying to pitch still to this kind of 101-y kind of audience. Um, and, and also just like historical and general political context is, is, is useful for this. Yeah, context. due diligence, writing an essay. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a good piece, as I've said. Yeah. Anyway, so we get to this next bit, and it's like, uh, the anti-gender movement is not a conservative position with a clear set of principles. No, as a fascist trend, it mobilizes a range of rhetorical strategies from across the political spectrum to maximize the fear of infiltration and destruction that comes from a diverse set of economic and social forces. It does not strive for consistency, for its incoherence is part of its power. This is brilliant. This is one of the best things that Butler's written in the entire damn piece. And we're not just saying that because it sounds like when we talk about the Headless Alliance and stuff. Right. <laughs> it's very good. It's much more concise and, you know, polished. Yeah. The thing is, is that fascism is highly incoherent. Like the thing is, is that, that it's, it's in the name. It's the fact that it's this bundle of sticks that holds itself together out of strength, even though all of those sticks will be like out of collective strength, even though all of those sticks will be like individually weak and kind of like have weird flaws and brittle bits and, and kind of like knots in them and all that kind of thing. The thing about fascism is it doesn't, this is an unintentional aspect of, of, the, of the verbal metaphor of the term. It, it's not just about the fact that the body politic becomes becomes a violent collective. It's not just about forming people into the phalanx. It's about molding ideas into the phalanx as well. Like I mentioned earlier, Renton, and Renton talks a lot about convergence, or at least has done recently, and other anti-fascist scholars as well. Like Thaverlight's psychoanalytical writing on fascism is very much about explaining the blending together of various different like bizarre social and mental complexes that were going on within kind of like the masculine political mind that created fascism. Fascism does this, it blends together wildly different species of thought. Like 
liber like Bitcoin libertarians are an essential component of the modern global fascist movement. And those guys are like obsessed with like homesteading and and like being Elon Musk fanboys. They don't realize the they're part of the fascist. Well, they sometimes do. They sometimes well, do. But, but, they, but they don't have to to play a part in the egregore is, is right. I guess what I'm yeah. saying. And the thing is, is that their ideology is like seamlessly bound up with guys who think that like the order of the nine angles is going to lead us into a cosmic mind war in which we use psychic dragons to kill each other. And like, all of those people are together with people who just really want to bring like greater Ba'athist social nationalism to the Middle East. Like M loves this stuff. You know, we all know that he loves a conspiracy. We all know that he loves to observe brain worms. Um, but I think it is while his knowledge of all this wide stuff like helps explain that point i think butler really does it well because trying to explain how like fascism like butler says and like you've just said um is its strength is really hard i've been thinking about it for ages and the closest that uh, that makes sense to me is again with one of like my ecology metaphors like a lot of these like weird outposts kind of act like the tendrils on a climbing plant because there's loads of them. They like move around loads. They have high velocity, but tendrils on a plant aren't growing. They're actually just grown like a spring. And they use, when they, when they, when they meet something that works, they're triggered mechanically. The plant doesn't do it. And they incorporate that thing into support for the life force that they're part of. And that's kind of what a lot of this stuff is. They're flailing tendrils. They're inchoate. They are not, you know, conspiratorial. Yeah, it's like the, the conspiracy is simply a subset of the system in, in and when the conspiracies actually exist. Yeah, and the conspiracy about the way that, that right-wingers and reactionaries and fascists collaborate, which again is something I think that the trans movement is still getting to grips with, sometimes we can miss the wood for the trees. Yeah, so one thing that I think I think about is, is back when people were looking into the funding that was flowing over the Atlantic into, into transphobic organizations and looking at crowdfunders and stuff. It's Which like, has now been 100% proven, but at the time was not. There was a lot of speculation before we had the proof. Right, yeah, so it's proven, but it's not undiluted. There's also funding coming in from all sorts of other places. And some of those places are reasonably grassrootsy. It is just random turfs in their cottages giving over 50 quid to the fundraiser sometimes. And that's worth looking at as well, but... yeah. We haven't. It's, so much. That, it's that kind of like it's that kind of thing. It's about this. It's about this like yeah. blending of, of of different kind of like properties that makes it a stronger whole. Like fascism hates ethnic and social diversity outside of it, but it loves it when it's internally because it gives it a lot of computing power. Well, to go back to uh, my ecology metaphors, it's hybrid vigor. Yeah. You you create connections, diverse as many connections as possible, and each connection will hopefully bring the best of each thing for the organism, which you know, the fascist org organism. This is why I really like thinking of of fascism as like as fascism as a, as a system. Yeah, an organic system behavior, that produces yeah. behaviors rather than as a movement that produces policies. Because the, like the communist international, like you know, the third international particularly was very much a policy organism. So like to compare to compare the like the, particularly the third international to to like modern fascism is it's not even like comparing chalk and cheese. It's like comparing like the surface of Pluto to the Great British Bake Off. They're completely different. The communist international, like the common term, the one that you know fought World War II, is was was like a, a, a coherent organization and like yeah there was there was devolved power and devolved decision making to a certain extent but it was 
clear lines and flows and patterns of force and communication and decision making. With the modern fascist movement, you have to use fucking systems analysis to understand what's going on. It's mad. And this like half paragraph that Butler has written is a brilliant introduction to that concept because it explains the core thing about modern fascism, which is this last bit, this last line here. It does not strive for consistency. Its incoherence is part of its power. The incoherence puts everybody else off balance. And because fascism now is not, does not require itself to be balanced, it, it, it is inherently like this kind of like unbalanced stumbling beast that's like throwing off ooze everywhere. It means that it just continuously benefits from that cycle. I think it's. I think that's you know a wonderful piece of political writing from Butler, um, especially because you know but Butler specifically mentions internet activism and globalization, and as you've just described, M, the the kind of place where we're living at the moment is very connected. We have the internet and we have you know global logistics. So from that perspective, arguably identifying at the time at the moment as extremely fertile for fascistic growth, change, strength, etc. I think we should move on to ECAB. Yes, finally. This is where the essay gets, this is the, this is the good bit, right? Right, this is the good bit. <clears throat> In his well-known list of the elements of fascism, Echo Claxon writes, the fascist game can be played in many forms. For fascism is a collage, a beehive of contradictions. Um, obviously, Echo is the OG because that, that obviously is what we were just talking about. Indeed, this perfectly describes anti-gender ideology today. It is a reactionary incitement, an incendiary bundle of contradictory and incoherent claims and accusations. They feast off the very instability they promise to contain, and their own discourse only delivers more chaos. Right. So... Um, bang I've, on the money. Yeah, I've listened to the raw recordings from the LGB Alliance conference that our, our friend Charlie was sent would you Would you describe it as a collage, a beehive of contradictions? Well, actually, the thing that I was thinking more was there's this there were these particular sections during the, during the thing where, like, I mean, the audio is like quite muddy, as you'll discover when you when you hear it when we do the episode recording. But, uh, like, okay, yeah. Um, the the line it is a reactionary incitement, an incendiary bundle, like that bit, the bit before the incendiary bundle, and then the incoherent claims and accusations. The like turf and gender critical rhetoric particularly in, the, in like the, the, the audio of like the conference speeches I've heard, but just generally, um, particularly when it comes to like paedophilia and, and children, those things are in direct contradiction to the LGB alliances, like focus on um, them being the arbiters of what homophobia is and it being about like their, their decision-making power to, that must control whether or not children are safe or unsafe. And like, it's, like it's sort of like this like perversely fucked up dialectic where 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 like the children thing really really like is is something i keep thinking about with the with the transphobic movement because like we went into this in the little timmy episode where there's this contradiction like this contradictory relationship between their expressed desire to engage in protective behavior with relation to children but the actual political outcome whether it's in like macro politics or whether it's in the structural politics of like family dynamics is inevitably abusive to children, both individually and as a political group. And that I think is a wonderful example of that. And it ties into another wonderful example of the reactionary incitement where in response to any kind of like mention of trans people getting near children, 
both in the in the conference that that we've got the audio from and in general like turf rhetoric you'll get like just people just like yelling nonce and and like yelling out shame 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 whenever whenever like some like complete piece of made up right-wing christian nonsense has been run out about like sex education in schools or something it's interesting that you say that because that's the exact form that many christian evangelical churches take with their worshipers and how sermons are conducted which of course there is a direct material link with now with the turf movement mm. like but, it really but, is but, taking on a an evangelical or like culty kind of character essentially um so judging from like both video and audio from the conference i think the most the thing that i would compare it to most is there is a certain element of 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 like behavioral similarity to some like soft end evangelical churches and the other thing that i think it's quite similar to is when i've gone over um videos of like ukip conferences or like small time political parties but anyway that is for the next episode yeah because um, i need to debrief charlie a bit more um anyway we move on this form of fascism manifests instability even as it seeks to ward off the destabilization of the social order brought about by progressive politics Ooh, yeah good stuff right it's kind of just harping on about the stuff that's just been explained, but I thought this was worth highlighting as well because of the, like, destabilization and, like, the collapse of order and, like, the death of world order and, like, the, the death of liberalism have been, like, the big political theory stories of the last decade, right? And the notion that progressive politics has been the, the precipitating aspect of this kind of, like, pseudo fall of rome thing is like the core uh narrative selling point of a lot of right-wing thinking at the minute i think butler is actually perfectly placed for this insight and the way it's done because it, earlier on in the essay butler references uh you know like you said the 2015 2016 uh flurry of right-wing people uh connecting and at the time everyone inchoately freaking out about it and then a lot of those people stopped caring very much like the kind of like trump liberals who are fine with biden doing the same shit etc etc however what is interesting is while a lot of people stopped caring those people have popped up in turf stuff which is not because they were pilled in 2015 but is more like as we say uh, gender has been added to the fascistic phalanx and they were already right wing so this has become a thing for them to onboard um I think this is really relevant to this paragraph because, of course, Butler here is giving quite specifically like a, a sort of feminist um, background in the sense of, you know, the destabilization of the social order brought about by progressive politics. The reason it's focused around gender is because, uh, you know, gender liberation or whatever you want to call um, fe queer feminism or whatever does cause economic upset because you know if people want to be treated better you have like workers rights and 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 wages for domestic work and stuff like that and as the pandemic showed which Butler also talks about like that really has been brought to the fore in the last few years hell uh, like a few like a couple of hours before recording today he sent me and a couple of other friends a link to an article about one of the u.s states i think it was wisconsin child um, labor will fix the employment crunch yeah there's some there's, there's an employment yeah. crunch in the u.s generally and it was one of the midwestern states now altered their laws that means that 14 year olds can be forced to work up until 11 p.m at night and if that's not an example of of like 
Oh, but we need a new labor pool because, you know, yeah. women want to be paid too much and stuff. Yeah, if that's not an example of this kind of like base and superstructure destabilization thing, then I don't know what the fuck is. Yeah, like uh, America is actually, a, this is actually a perfect example because the causes of uh, the American employment crunch are so obvious. Uh, but of course, um, the state doesn't, you know, it's it's America. It's like a, it's, it's a massive power of evil it's a nation um and so it's it's trying to figure out a way to get around that and of course that's where reactionarism comes into its own mm, indeed yeah exactly so uh, the paragraph continues a little later uh, in the imaginary of the anti-gender ideology advocates gender is like an unwanted migrant an incoming stain but also at the same time a colonizer or totalitarian who must be thrown off it mixes right and left discourses at will um classic again, your classic fascist hallmark right. that's a classic one yeah and it's 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 like a classic analysis of fascism to to uh, explain this in this in this kind of way however it's only recently become popular because explaining like in anti-fascist and left-wing circles a lot of people don't like it when you bring up the left-wing aspects of fascist rhetoric because it makes them feel embarrassed about whatever their particular subcategory of the left-wing political tradition is I'm thinking mainly of social democrats and Marxist Leninists, but there are there are others. Yeah, um, people pe people have been avoiding this very obvious crossover because uh, the same way that people we've mentioned earlier on will have the sort of thought stopping kind of thing, and to their credit, like Butler is going way harder than most people of their kind of position in society would go. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that gets gets you chucked out of the Socialist Party meeting by even saying, um, yeah, harkening back to our episode about turfs and leftism, um, which was which the purpose of that episode was essentially to to highlight the fact that right and left discourses were were intermingled within the the growth of modern turf stuff. Um, anyway, not trying to pat myself on the back too much for that one. That was a bit self indulgent. <laughs> Sorry, this guys. whole episode is kind of us patting ourselves on the back, but I think we've earned it. <laughs> Well, you know, like patting, patting Butler on the back as well. Like it's, some of this is pretty, pretty decent and original. Um, and, you know. Mm. I'm not sure how original. Sorry, okay, cut no, that it's bit not, out. It's not, it's not original. <laughs> <laughs> it's, none of it is groundbreaking and new, but it's a good iteration of what it is. Yes, it's very, it's a wonderfully polished and executed iteration. Anyway, we're nearly we're nearly at the end. So the denouement. This is the best bit, apart from one sentence. <laughs> As a fascist trend, the anti-Jacobin supports ever strengthening forms of, authority, of authoritarianism. Its tactics encourage state powers to intervene in university programs, to censor art and television programming, to forbid trans people their legal rights, to ban LGBTQI people from the public spaces, to undermine reproductive freedom and the struggle against violence directed at women, children, and LGBTQI people. It threatens violence against those, including migrants, who have become cast as demonic forces and whose repression or expulsion promises to restore a national order under duress. Right, so this is the intellectual conclusion of the entire thing. And it sets up an anti-fascist argument wonderfully. It essentially sets you up for a militant anti-fascist argument, saying that it threatens violence against those, including migrants who've become cast, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's saying that there is this like, you know, coordinated thing of like, you know, all of the beams of light going through the prism and becoming like one pure force of white light that's just being directed to fry people, right? At which point Judith fucks it up. <laughs> because due to 
Judith Butler's context and position. Every time there's great analysis in this essay, there has to be something. And also, you can't say... You have to ruin it. <laughs> you can't say, we need to be in Black Rock in The Guardian. Well, exactly. Yes, yes. It's understandable. You know, it's not a moral criticism, just a political one. Right. So do you want to do the next line or shall I? Yeah. So, uh, uh, do you mind if I do it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the last bit, which is the best bit, the, the last last bit is just, it does end on, to be fair, the time for anti-fascist solidarity is now. Which is correct. As a good fucking ender, to be yeah. fair. But should have just ended on that. Should have just, yeah, literally, like, I, I think I posted a tweet being like, I love the end of the essay. I fixed it. And I just cut that bit out. <laughs> uh, um, um, but yeah, so the bit that fucks it is, that's why it makes no sense for gender critical feminists to ally with reactionary powers in targeting trans, non-binary and genderqueer people. Let's all get truly critical now, for this is no time for any of the targets of this movement to be turning against one another. Fuck you know, me, they're not the targets of yeah, the movement. Yeah, they're not the fuck is this? <laughs> let's 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 get gender critical to the polls yeah it's literally as i was reading let's all get truly critical in my head hillary clinton was saying that um let's pokemon go to the lgb alliance conference. yeah like oh yeah <laughs> like just every word of this is just absolute fuckery you know like makes no sense it makes absolute sense it's very obvious um which is anyway. you know uh, but, but 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 i think it's interesting because like it's examples of previous things in this essay which were specifically elided or tacked on in a very specific way and it really shows explains like the flaws of this article which i'm saying not just to be critical but just in terms of it's a good essay and, and being reading it with a critical eye doesn't mean you can't enjoy it um this kind of sums up basically all the fuckery of the entire thing like not not understanding the actual makeup of stuff um yeah, i i have a slightly different take i I think this is a different kind of um, thing to the now it's gonna Now it's time for the debate chamber. Em right. and I have slightly different views on this essay and we're gonna have a fight about it. So the thing is, is that the the illusions the and, and mild valorizations that existed previously in the essay where arguably you might suspect that, that Butler has self-centered or, or has like had some kind of discussion with the editing team. I think they're different from this line because this, those- No, might, I agree. Those might make sense. This, does not make sense in a very basic Newtonian mechanical manner, right? It's literally wrong. Uh, um, so this is, I think this is where we differ is the bits that I suspect that Butler, like the bits that like Butler adds or, 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 or takes away, I don't necessarily think that they are self-censorship. I think they are like a, a myopia, some of them. Some of them might have been legit editorial back and forth, but like, I think some of it is myopia. Right, but there's there's a different. Even if they are myopia, even if it's an unconscious self-censorship, because she because like she hasn't actually done that analytical process within their own like thinking. Like that's that's different from this. This is a fuck up. Those are not the same kind of fuck up. They're they're a fuck up. They're just a lesser fuck up. This is a real big fuck up. Right, because what what butler apparently fails to understand which i really frankly disappointed about is like the, just the first half dozen words here this is why it makes no sense there's seven words and it's like no it does make sense for them it does make sense for them it you makes complete sense for them it makes it makes sense in terms of their class position it makes sense in terms of maintaining their their like political privilege it makes Let, sense let's not it forget makes sense that in early terms of, it makes sense in terms of them being able to theoretically dominate 
the political cause of feminism, which they have an emotional attachment to. But it also, as well, let's not forget that some of the first and largest uh, British fascist groups were women's groups, something that Butler should be aware of as a scholar. Like the history of feminism and fascism in Britain is, is, is quite a long read. Right. I think, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Butler can say that not only that gender critical feminists have no sensible position in allying with reaction and powers, but also there's this implication that that like she just made actually, a mistake yeah she doesn't actually say this but like she's, she's also making this implication that like it's a mistake for them to do this as 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 lesbians gays and bi and bisexual people and it, it, it is not you know people from those demographics have a have a history in fascist movements the nazis have people of those particular persuasions in their movements yeah, gay fascism, also a thing that Butler should be aware of as a scholar. Those, like, all of this Butler should be aware of. And it's even, ridiculous. Even if, even if the fuck-up is not on those grounds, and it's purely about the, the gender-critical movement as an ideological block rather than a demographic block, it still doesn't make sense. Because gender-critical, at its core, is a biologically essentialist movement that is about class privilege and is about exerting legal control over the means of like over the political apparatus and that inherently dovetails into fascism this is fucked what the this hell? is like basic fucking baby shit this is why you do not give any quarter on gender as fake and sex is fake because we're gonna get like, cancelled for this one i whatever i don't shit you know like it's it's i don't want to go fucking maoist wrong think about it but like gender essentialism in all of its forms is a path that only ends in reactionism. You have to kill the gender cop in your head. You just have to do it. Yeah, um, uh, to be fair, uh, given that we've just like gone apeshit, I want to address the next sentence, which is let the one that I made fun of. Um, yeah. Let's all get truly critical now for this is no time for any of the targets of this movement to be turning against each other. Um, so to be fair, we have just I feel unloaded like this a is, whole bunch of ammunition on Butler. I, I feel like this is Butler not realizing that all of not reasoning, we're not reason, realizing that they're Julius Caesar and they're about to get stabbed. Yeah, it's it is a bit. It's it like, oh, like you that. guys voted for the leopards eating my face party. What the fuck? I never would have guessed. So there's two things I want to highlight about this. And first, first, I want to like stave off the the arguably like quite justified accusations of hypocrisy from us because like we have we have. Just, no, it's. Just, I think it's genuine. I think it's genuine. Like. No, no, that's no, no, why no, no, I made no. the Caesar comparison. No, 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 no. That's 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 not what I wanted to talk about first. Oh, I'm sorry. Talking, sorry. I'm talking about the fact that like we've just like spent the last five minutes ripping Butler a new one, and then there's this sentence about us not turning against each other, which is I'm sorry, which is strategically speaking, technically the correct advice. It's just that, the... it's just that Butler has chosen the wrong people to give the advice to because. They are not the targets of the movement. I can't <laughs> yeah. stress this enough. Yeah, I mean, having criticisms of Butler's like uh, reasoning and perspective, like I, I genuinely have no intent to cancel Butler for this essay. As, a, as a, you know, human being to human being, there is no ire. Just frustration. Yeah, and as political activists, like yeah, Butler, Butler is largely still legit. Although we have some criticisms of her, you know, historical behaviors and some criticisms of her writing. Yeah, I'm not going to die on a hill for Judith Butler. I have no ire inherently against them. They're a human being. It's just people. that this this affects a core strategic principle of the movement. Yeah, yeah, that's why we're so you know het up about it. And I get that I get that it's in the Guardian, and I get the political okay. and professional position. So but this is not, where it's not an excuse. You could have just yeah. left that out. So this is where I become a lot more cynical. 
Um, so I, I'm going to say one thing before we segue onto our, our Gorn theory. Um, Butler, I, I think I mentioned recently, I think, uh, let me find it. Um, uh, I think in September of this year, uh, did an interview where Butler tried basically calling the turfs like gender fash and it got censored. And Butler has come back to The Guardian to write another article. Now, I want to contrast this not as a barb, but with the fact that uh, around people in my cohort of the trans community or the, the feminist community, there is a general understanding that we avoid The Guardian. You know, when, a, when someone who is meant to be on, you know, our side, as it were, has an article in The Guardian, you know, some people think it's fine sometimes, but it's not just okay to write for the guardian whenever not yeah, after the years a, of abuse have a good good reason you gotta have a fucking good reason which arguably and, this article might be yeah and it might i'm not saying that it doesn't but but what i'm saying is that like in of itself i i i think i'm comfortable saying that butler made a conscious choice to write this article after already having been censored yeah, no, now, yeah, yeah, like they, like that thought must have crossed their minds. Yeah, and but so like for whatever reason, I don't know reason, how that would necessarily like fit in with this last this last intellectual thread. I so the reason I think it fits in is I'm not accusing Butler of um you know being like a heartless Sun journalist. I also don't want to imply that Butler's just too much of an idiot to understand what we the enlightened hogs know. You know, like I just mean that like for whatever reason. I personally don't think that Judith Butler writing in the Grawn is something that I would consider in of itself a good enough reason to write in the Grawn. And so it's interesting and it may be the right decision. You know, I might just be wrong, but in light of what we're about to discuss, I'm a little more cynical about it, essentially. I think, I think the cynical, is, I think cynicism is worthwhile. I think that this last paragraph with the exclusion of the comment about anti-fascist solidarity was a deep political mistake in terms of this as a which theory writing which deepens my cynicism is what i'm yeah. saying yeah um i think basically like the the, cynic, the cynicism is not like stamped and mailed yet but it's in the letter yeah i'm not doing any decrying i'm privately being cynical on air to you to a podcast yeah well um moderately <laughs> privately anyway we should probably <laughs> we should probably explain what we're talking about in terms of this yes yeah, so would you like to start so i can stop babbling so as as he has said, um, the Guardian is persona non grata in the radical left and trans communities, particularly in the UK, because it's a shit newspaper. It's a rag. Um, it's not just a rag for trans stuff. The trans stuff is just sort of like, wow, there really is barely anything to offer except for, as yeah, you say, like, like occasional morale, things. Morale was low in the Guardian fan club on the left <laughs> begin with because yeah. of because of like Corbyn stuff and also like the way that they just talk about protests and just the tone. Um, and they're like just the kind of like subtle sneering liberal racism of a lot of the commentators when it comes to the global south, um, the way they talk about students and young people. It is generally, The Guardian is not a respected publication anymore. Whereas like I, I have a lot more respect for the Financial Times than I do The Guardian because I know that the opinions columnists in the Financial Times are all psychotic bankers and that they're huge bastards and I don't have to listen to them and I can just, you know, go to the, well, I don't, have a subscription to the financial times website so i can't actually do this but in theory i could just go there and and find out what the fucking market rate of tungsten deposits is and it'd be great you know and like to that to, to that extent the financial times compared to the guardian is an intellectually coherent piece of work whereas the guardian 
is a mess. Like it's a fucking student newspaper. Anyway, the point is, we don't like The Guardian. Um, <laughs> right. And as E has mentioned, the general understanding is that because we don't like The Guardian and because The Guardian is like horrible to us as an institution, we don't touch The Guardian. And as a result, and in, in concert with this, The Guardian is kind of like just generally doing a lot of like leftist rage clickbait journalism has been doing so for years like when Corbyn was in like they were doing like a like an absurd anti-Corbyn hit pieces every like week or so and this is now that Corbyn's fucked off it's it's now largely about like trans stuff or occasionally there'll be something about like a protest movement or whatever Although and for the, a while the trans stuff been... has been running for a while well for a while also they could get trans people to engage and because trans people uh like we said largely don't engage unless they want something out of it because obviously yeah. some of them do still um <clears throat> just the left uh, i mean usually don't um they they, they their clickbaity shit has gotten worse because it's just been people saying absolute bollocks like it's not even interesting and it's horror it's just like absolute nonsense just dregs in terms of journalism and our theory is essentially that you know if, if the last few years of the Grons anti-tran campaign was an unceasing torrent of bile they've decided to a b test it to play the field a little bit yeah so the thing is what you've got to understand about the guardians and institution is that about 10 years ago they were in real trouble like as an institution they were seriously struggling for survival um and switching to an online format and increasingly ditching their newspaper publication has essentially saved the entire thing like they're not 100 financially stable but they're in a lot better position in terms of where they are in the media landscape now than they were a decade or more ago when they were really really struggling um and as a result i think essentially like the as a business the like the media strategy decision making has gone in a direction where they are doing the same kind of outrage journalism as the telegraph does but for a different demographic and because it's for a different demographic it does not seem to be outrage journalism because when we think of outrage journalism we think of right-wing plebs we think of the trump voters we think of brexit we we or rather the liberal commentariat does not like to consider the possibility that for example pro-remain articles could also constitute right uh, could also constitute uh, like clickbait rage journalism but they do and the guardian has incorporated that model and that mode of thinking into how it constructs its online presence and how it orders its comment pages. The Guardian. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's just it's just been doing that for the entirety of the last like political cycle with Brexit and with Corbyn and with trans stuff. And the what that means is that they have built up a behavior pattern that is just very suited to playing the field, as he said. Okay. So the Guardian. Uh, as we all know, in a post-Cambridge Analytica, post-Brexit world, um, Cambridge Analytica and um, Cummings are actually very uh, important, I think, because while CA, the firm, died, obviously, as we know, rich people can just do whatever they want with companies. And CA, the force of people fucking with you through the internet, is still alive and well in many PR companies who advise governments and large media conglomerates. Um, and I think it's pretty reasonable to see, like e, uh, like M just said about the form of the Guardians um, as an institution. The Guardian is advertising basically a mixture of stuff that will make them money and propaganda, uh, basically to people who think of themselves as liberal, 
in the basic mirror, mirror image of the the Tory graph, like it's just advertising, it's A/B testing a way to transmit like brain worms to different demographics. And I also suspect that for many years now we have become part of the online guardians business model, trans people. Just we have become the guardians' bread and butter. And I think their source of revenue of full-on anti-trans bile has dried up, partially because of essentially a lack of creativity, and also because now the 2015-2016 kind of like shimmerings of real obvious fascist convergence with anti-trans thinkers has really revealed itself. And you've got people who are actually pretty fucking lib talking in these terminologies and like, you know, a lot of them on the internet um like do so because they engage in like kind of politics entertainment but also just kind of like normie lib people and thus it's no longer as profitable for the guardian to just do anti-trans stuff but they still have to make money off the trans outrage clicks just in a different format the other thing about this is that it really fits with the the kind of like the guardian's uh, image of itself as an institution where it considers itself the the liberal paper of record yeah and if they can be the ones to to define the terms of and host the trans debate as a historical intellectual debate, then that just really tickles them under the chin. But also, you know, like um, it is it is really worth stating that like the Tory government has, as Butler said, um, uh, although in a slightly different context, increased calls for censorship and, and stuff like this. And we talk about this all the time on the podcast about how the reason there is such a convergence institutionally between, you know, the girl baz end of turfs and literal elected political figures is because they have common interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, the, the Tories have essentially created this landscape and the Guardian, as well as the BBC, have genuinely been threatened by the government, as have basically, like, all the charities and universities that employ a lot of the columnists have been threatened. So also there is this thing of, with a liberal paper of record, i.e. we are a liberal paper and advertise as such, and we, are, we collude with other institutions in the state. And at the moment, like, that is also related to trans stuff. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's all I have to say on the, on the drawn is that, like, it seems quite clear to me that they're, they're sick of doing... They're sick of doing like all all one strat and now they're going for the oh, oh okay right now that all of the fucking transphobia stuff is hopping ship over to the times and the telegraph we're gonna we're gonna get yeah our, they have our, to stay relevant they yeah we're gonna get our their market bread and share for the owen jones demographic back up and we'll we'll host some more trans writers and some 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 more writers who are like not full-on gender crit turf brained I mean, it really reminds me very similarly of the criticisms we've made as of the Labour Party and kind of electoral politics as an institution where under Keir Starmer, the party has become like so hostile. We said this in our last episode that like waves of successive people had left. And it's almost like the Guardian in terms of instead of um, getting rid of like left wing Labour affiliates is getting rid rid of people who care about trans people. And now they're trying to dial it back, essentially, which, you know, Keir seems too stupid to do. but like they still, their underlying priorities have not changed. Their priority at the moment is to make money out of a discourse that has, you know, if they've been pretty online for a decade, for half of that de- online business model, we've been in an integral part of it. Yeah. Which is also why, like, you know, a lot of us, I, 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 on some level, at least genuinely, I'm not entirely joking when we say this, like, 
going on the guardian is scabbing and we say this because like we make them a lot of money you can tell it's very obvious Anyway. Whether or not whether or not you would agree that this article is such, because like I said, like there are reasons when you know you can argue that being on the Guardian isn't that. The reason that like people make that joke is because structurally there is a kind of that relationship with the Guardian, I think. I also, and this is going to sound really ridiculous, uh, but if we're really getting on the sort of like grown media strategy conspiracy hole. I was never aware of the Guardian US until it entered the trans fight as a battle against the Guardian UK and everyone rallied around the Guardian US and suddenly it was okay to work for the Guardian again. And the Guardian US got a huge target uh, uh, increase when they started doing that. Did you notice? And now they're everywhere. Um, I was aware of the Guardian US and no, I did not notice that. But, it, you know, it, that kind of thing is the kind of thing that you would detect uh quantitatively so i i wonder i wonder i don't know if one can necessarily drag that out to explain everything Although no no you, might, I, you I, might be right but I, don't. I the reason that i think it's right is the sense that i don't account for every demographic but i account for i'm in contact with a very specific audience which is part of the audience that the guardian has captured with those tactics namely the kind of people who would really really like this article and not be so critical of it so yeah, uh, our next episode will be the the conference episode where so basically a friend of mine managed to actually get into the fucking LGB Alliance conference, recorded the whole thing on her phone, and we've got some rather fucking terrible, frankly, sorry Charlie, audio of the damn event. Uh, we've also got a hell of a lot of leaflets and like weird pamphlets, some of which are dead strange, um, and we'll be able to bring you the 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 highs and lows of the many lows of turf football i mean it's actually mostly highs because this is the peak of the current movement well we'll get on to whether we'll get on to that take i kind of disagree um during the during the next episode okay i guess we'll cut that bit out then <laughs> no 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 we're allowed to disagree on air yeah i know but it was uh it was an annoying interruption anyway we can um, disagree next episode you see but bye for now, everybody. I'll try and get this one out as soon as possible, and we'll try and get the next one out as soon as possible as well. Bye. Thank you.